Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Believe in Jaguars podcast. I am your new co-host, Connor Miles. I come from Sports Illustrated. I cover the Philadelphia Eagles for Sports Illustrated, but I am resident of Brevard County, Florida. I've been very close to the Jacksonville Jaguars team, and it is my great honor and pleasure to be on a podcast talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars for Blade Podcast Network. I also do another podcast for them called Eagles Unfiltered. So they reached out to me and said, hey, Connor, you know, you covered the NFL for USA Today. You've covered the NFL for Sports Illustrated, Fansided, and other various outlets. And you're close to Florida. And you have extensive knowledge on the head coach the Jacksonville Jaguars just hired in Doug Peterson. How would you like to come and host the Blade and Jaguars podcast? And I said, let's freaking do it. I'm so excited because not only that, I feel like this is like my second team. I, you know, I'm not going to speak about being a fan or anything. Of course, I have ties to the Philadelphia Eagles of being a fan all my life, but uh, I'm more of an NFL analyst, I would like to say. I like to cover the whole entire league. I like to study the whole entire league. I've studied the Jaguars extensively since being given this job. And not only that, just, you know, following the team by being so close in Brevard County. Uh, I, if any team in Florida I want to do well, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. I hate Miami. I hate Stephen Ross. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have always rubbed me the wrong way. I wanted to see the Jacksonville Jaguars get it right. I want to see them turn around. And I believe they have made the right move doing so by hiring Doug Peterson. And I'll discuss that later in their show. But without further ado, let me present to you my lovely co-host who's going to take over this show completely. She has a wide range of football knowledge from playing the sport to covering it for USA Today. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Lori Fitzpatrick, everybody. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? No, I, I really, um, you know, appreciate you uh, reaching out to me and believe, you know, actually believing in me. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to kind of get on talking about the Jaguars. I had my, you know, other podcast, uh, Ponytails Talking Pigskins, but it's tough to kind of do it by yourself. You know, I, I like to kind of shoot the, I'm not sure if we're, uh, you know, able to curse on here. Yeah, shoot the shit, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to kind of talk about jacksonville and it's exciting to you know have doug peterson now in the building and uh, a lot of people know that i I break them down on twitter a lot where i'll just kind of go over the all 22 and i'm not paid by anybody for jacksonville media at all um you know i yeah i wrote for big cat country then i kind of went to uh, si.com uh but after that i got picked up by usa today where now i cover all of the nfl so being able to really dive into the Jacksonville Jaguars is just a passion of mine. It always has been. Uh, so there's not a single media outlet right now that I'm able to really, you know, break them down and talk about them. And, you know, like I don't have an outlet for it. So I was really dying to kind of get on here. And I'm so glad uh, that, you know, Connor, you're going to be, you know, next to my side, by by my side doing this because, Doug Peterson, I believe, is going to change this franchise. And it's funny because, you know, right now I am in Miami. uh, But, you know, I I grew up and I think everybody knows I grew up in South Jersey and Philadelphia suburb. So I know a lot about Doug Peterson as well. Just listening to, you know, 97.5 The Fanatic and listening to, you know, WIP. All those guys talk about Doug Peterson for the last three, four years, um, you know, ever, ever since 2016 and, kind of 2017 when he won the Super Bowl. So uh, we were able to kind of watch him grow and and watch him as a player's coach take that team 
from, you know, they didn't have much, you know, after Chip Kelly. So him coming in and changing that entire franchise and getting them their very first Super Bowl, I think there could be a chance that Doug Peterson can do that for Jacksonville. And it's something that, you know, I see fans worried about, oh, well, the chances are another head coach doing that again. But you know what? First happened all the time. All the time. Tom Brady was the first quarterback to do a lot of things. You know, we'll take Doug it Peterson right back the, to... Doug Peterson the first head coach to win a Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles organization that had Dick Vermeil and Andy Reid coach it. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow was the first quarterback to come back after an ACL injury. Like, you know, there's a lot of firsts that happen every single year within the NFL. That's why it's still so exciting to watch this game. You know, and there's, there's nothing that can, you can basically say that, you know, can kind of take away from the fact that Doug can do this. You know, he, I think he has the knowledge. He has the power. He's a player's coach. He knows a lot about um, basically bringing a team together and that whole underdog story with the Eagles. I, I just think it was amazing. And I do think that Shotgun made the right decision to bring Peterson in here. Uh, and yeah, just, uh, I'm just happy to kind of, be talking about the Jags again, man. Um, you know, we both kind of have ties to the, the Philadelphia side of things with Peterson. So I think that'll just bring it'll just enlighten some of these Jaguar fans who are who really not sure what they have with this guy. You know, what were some of the downsides to Doug Peterson? Because I was there for that too. Some of the play calling, some of the questionable things, but also some of the things that he does well. Um, and I think, you know, it's it's gonna be good for these fans to kind of understand you know, what they're getting with Doug Peterson. Let's just get right into it then. Cause I need, I well, from what I gathered from Jacksonville fans, from being in this area and, you know, watching the coverage of the whole entire process of being hired uh, with the Jaguars land on Doug Peterson was that process. Uh, you know, Byron Leftwich was really the guy that they wanted. It seems like the majority of fans wanted as the head coach. And I completely understand that, you know, uh, just seeing Doug return to the Eagles, you know, he wasn't ever a starting quarterback for them. And, you know, Byron Leftwich was the first-round pick for the Jaguars and was great and all, but, you know, he didn't live up to his full legacy that uh, Jacksonville expected. It was David Garrard who came in and really take over, took over for him. Uh, same thing with Doug. He was, you know, he was a placeholder for Donovan McNabb when they drafted him. So, you know, Doug didn't have huge mm -hmm. ties as the quarterback, but when he came back to Philadelphia, he cleaned, like you're alluding to, Lori, he cleaned up a huge mess caused by an egomaniac college coach. And now he gets the opportunity to do it again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There, there's no reason to believe he won't succeed in doing so. And that doesn't mean you have to win a Super Bowl. I know that's the goal is always to win the Super Bowl, but the, what Jacksonville really needs first, it, you got to prioritize these things is they need to clean up their culture. The culture needs a huge uplift. It. And the one coach who I believe can do so who's established it before, who has strong ties in this league as a head coach already established as one. Because again, as much as you have faith in Byron Leftwich, again, I do too. I think Byron Leftwich will be a great head coach in this league someday. But that's all an assumption. I know what I have in Doug. Yeah. Shotcon knows what he has in Doug. He saw it in Doug. And not only that, he said it in the press conference before they hired Urban Meyer during that process last year, they called Doug Peterson. And Doug told him, I just want to take a year off which I thought was incredibly interesting and a huge tidbit there. Uh, and I believe it 100% because Doug's gone through so much. Uh, when he first took the job with the Eagles, he lost his father. He got COVID when it first came out uh, when he's with the Eagles. 
And then as soon as the Eagles fire him and he get and he starts relaxing, his brother dies of cancer. Like he's gone through so much that I would I do truly believe he wanted to take this past season off and regather himself, recollect his thoughts. But uh, when I'm watching that, I watched the whole entire introductory press conference with Doug Peterson. I'm like, wow. Like if you take his first press conference with the Eagles, his introductory press conference, then he was not wanted by Eagles fans. He was never the the main choice for head coach. It was either going to be Ben McAdoo or, or Tom Coughlin. And the Eagles rolled with uh, Doug Peterson because Ben McAdoo got quickly swapped up by the Giants when they had the fear that the Eagles were going to hire him. Didn't so they? He, uh, didn't they, Oh, you know, didn't they want... Um, maybe Adam it was Gase. like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They interviewed Adam Gase first, but they didn't want to hire their first interview pro, uh, coaching prospect. But yeah. the whole point is... When Doug isn't the main choice, you're putting him in the best position to succeed then. When you're not putting those expectations on him, like, that was the guy I wanted all along in this process, or that's the guy I'm putting all my faith into, that's when he succeeds the most. And I know there's narratives out there about Frank Reich and his impact on Doug, and and then Doug hiring Press Taylor's offensive coordinator. That was his worst move with the Eagles, and now he's just doing it all over again. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, Lori, and everybody listening, those narratives are silly. Those are completely silly narratives. Frank Reich was an outcast in San Diego. He was the scapegoat of Mike McCoy's at the time. Now Mike McCoy is with the Jaguars, funny enough. But the point was, Frank Reich was always a good coach. Doug Peterson yeah. and had a relationship. They knew each other. It was an easy decision for Doug to bring in Frank Reich. But without Doug Peterson being hired as the Eagles head coach, there is no Frank Reich as the Eagles offensive coordinator. And there probably is no Frank Reich as the Indianapolis Colts head coach today, if it is not for Doug Peterson. So for all those narratives that Doug needs Frank Wright to succeed, I'm going to argue right now, Frank needed Doug to succeed. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Press, and this Press Taylor stuff, you know, I, I know Eagles fans think it's a joke that Doug hired Press Taylor as the Jaguars offensive coordinator because when he was the lone season, he was with the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, Carson Wentz fell apart. And they think, you know, being buddy-buddy with Press Taylor and trusting Press Taylor, that's a bad move. That's going to get you fired. It's not. It's not at all. I think Press Taylor is a really smart mind in this football league, and he's been hailed as such. He was a huge – or uh, he was a huge – I don't want to say he had a huge impact on the Philly special, but he was the reason why it was getting practiced more. He was the reason – he brought it to the table. They copied off the Chicago Bears playbook and brought that play to the table, and Press Taylor, I don't want to say he – created it because he didn't create it he copied off somebody else but he at least established it to the point where the Eagles actually considered it he's an up-and-coming coach in this league and he's a brother of Zach Taylor the Super Bowl losing head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals uh, yeah. I think he's going to be a great coach in this league I think Doug trusting him has nothing to do with what went wrong with the Eagles and no, no, no. It- I, yeah no that, that's what I was just about to say uh, you know with Carson Wentz so yeah go ahead and take it yeah that's what we're gonna I mean we're gonna get into that too because I think a lot of people are worried from what I've seen of well, you know, once Frank once Frank Reich left and uh, Doug started promoting from within and trusting guys, that's when it started to fall apart with with the Eagles. And I I don't believe that. I don't believe that yeah. at all. I think Doug Pearson's a great coach. You know, I thought I was surprised he was fired. It was yeah. Time. I think everybody. I think everybody was. Um, to be honest, and and, he and they weren't going to fire him, Lori. The no. Eagles weren't going to fire him. Jeffrey Lurie wanted to bring Doug Peterson back. For everybody that doesn't know this, they they gave him a week. To say, look, we're both in a disagreement right now. I don't want to promote these coaches that you want to promote. I want to bring in 
new guys. I want to bring in because they were really wanting to bring in Graham Hill from USC. They really wanted to bring in Graham Hill for USC to be, be offensive coordinator, but he refused because he didn't want to. He wanted to call plays, and Doug wasn't going to let him do that. Yeah, but it was also Wentz too, right? So him and Wentz weren't really seeing eye to eye. Um, because because Carson Wentz is is uh, he's really tough to coach. Well, and and not a lot of people know that, and they see. You know, oh, well, you know, now he's doing he took them to the playoffs or, you know, almost obviously yeah, after they lost to the Jaguars. But he didn't do too bad. But people don't really know what Carson Wentz is and why he's even in the spot that he's in. And I plus uh, he, I would argue he did bad. That second half of the season for the oh, Colts yeah. was awful. No, he, he didn't do that well. Um, But the fact that he won a Super Bowl, well, that he took them to, you know, he won 11 games. Uh, He was Yo, pretty a, much the reason, reason why. why. The Super Bowl. Yes. Yeah, but it, it's just like, you know, him and Frank Reich together seemed like they were a, two peas in a pod, right? And Doug Peterson was kind of like sitting on the outside. But all Doug wanted was for Wentz to progress himself. He never wanted to take any of the blame. And Wentz just... He, he he never held any accountability. And so didn't they also want to choose between him or Wentz, Doug Peterson or Wentz, and then kind of Wentz ended up leaving anyway? So it was from, like they both got fired and it made no sense. So From what I gathered, the Eagles were prepared to move on from both. Um, I think they would have preferred to keep Doug over Carson. They were I mean, Carson didn't want to become come back to the Eagles. Once they knew that Carson wanted out from the Eagles, they – they didn't even try to try to keep him. They're like, we're not going to force you to stay with us. We're not going to try to do that, uh, especially after how you played this past year. We're not going to do that. But they gave Doug a week to take some time and say, hey, look, adapt to these changes we're going to make or you're going to be part of that change. And he came back to the table and said, I'm not going to do that. I was a Super Bowl head coach. I've been doing everything you guys have been telling me to do from since day one. I deserve to have him safe for once. And the Eagles fired him. Now, that's going to be interesting dynamic in Jacksonville because the GM, the incumbent GM, Trent Bulky, who everybody seems to hate, you know, he is Howie Roseman without the success. Uh, I, from what from what it looks like to me, because it seems like he has an ego where he thinks Trent Bulky believes. Uh, and this is just, you know, from the outsider's perspective, looking in from how he was with the 49ers and how he was with Jacksonville last year is my way or the highway type of GM. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to work with Doug. I'll tell you right yeah. now. You can tell. Happened- you can look at his face in the press conference and see. They they said, you know, they asked him the question. Hey, so like, do you know who your coaches are going to be? He just yeah, yes, absolutely. And you know, is there going to be a struggle? No, just flat out no. Doug is standing his ground. And that's the reason why that you know this process took to the point where it got to, and it took that long for the Eagles. I mean, excuse me, from the Jaguars, from their first interview with Doug Peterson to their second interview with him to hire him. There has to be some kind of behind-the-scenes stuff that we don't know about where Doug finally said, you know what, I'm comfortable with this situation now. You, you've you convinced me that Trent isn't going to invade in my personal space or do what I do as a coach enough for me to take this job because this is Doug's last chance, Lori. If he fails in Jacksonville, he's never going to be a head coach again. No, no team's going to hire him again. I know what Lovey Smith is doing in Houston right now is incredible considering the fact that he failed with the Buccaneers and he failed with the last couple of years with Chicago and he always getting the third chance. But that's uncommon. That doesn't happen. Doug will not get a third chance if he fails in Jacksonville, especially with Trevor Lawrence at his disposal. He will not get a second, ch- third chance again. So for him to say, all right, I'm convinced that this is the best opportunity for me now, 
that should inspire some Jaguars fans. That should say, all right, if he felt this compelled to take this job after every, given all the cards stacked against him, there must be some kind of conversation that went behind closed doors with him and Shad Khan to say, don't worry about Balky. There had to be. You want to you know what it is? That EVP hire. So I think that happen. has a lot to do with it. Um, and, you know, they're, they're planning to, you know, hire in, you know, an EVP of football operations to work with Trent Balky uh, so that, you know, it could be in between, um, you know, Doug Peterson and him. So there's kind of like that leeway. Uh, so I think it's better um, that you have more heads in, the, you know, we're heads at the table to try to figure out, you know, what plan are we going to have next? Um, I think that's important. I just, I don't want bulky near the players, to be honest. I don't really want him. I don't know. He, he just, he's not a guy that you, that is easily to work with. And and that's why they asked him the question. I got a question for you. What? Did you see 49ers? You know, Jimmy Ward, the safety for 49ers. Did you see his comments about Trent bulky? Uh, No. What were they? He was interviewed and asked about Trent Balky in an interview. And he said, I'm not going to lie. Now that he's gone, I can say this, but that is the most disrespectful general manager I've ever encountered. And it's because Balky went up to him during uh, practice, I believe. Yes. Oh, it was and practice. told him that he's not going to be anything. Yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding me? How, I don't know how Trent Balky kept. I can't believe Shot Khan kept him, though. From again, an outsider's perspective looking in, after everything with Urban Meyer and everything that happens past season, you would think you would just want to clean house. I understand why we're, why Jaguars fans are upset about it, but well, can you give me some kind of reasoning or explanation of why Trent Balky's still employed? Well, I don't think you know Urban Meyer was uh, was you know a Trent Balky hire. You know, it's something that Shad Khan wanted to do, and he believed in him. Um, so I think Balky feels like he deserves another chance. Uh, because of the Urban Meyer hire. But he, he also didn't do what he needed to do in order to keep his coach in line. You know, if, if you're, if you're um, you know, if you're in a football operations consultant, like, you know, I looked up Bulky's resume. You know, one thing you want to do is make sure that you keep everybody in line with the press and not getting on that plane from Cincinnati and staying home in Ohio it's like that's something where the GM should step in and be like, hey, this probably isn't the best idea. But then he's leaking information, basically trying to get him fired, Urban Meyer. And so it's like, but there is no there's no concrete evidence of any of this stuff. You just kind of have like Ian Rappaport being kind of thrown under the bus um, or Ian Rappaport trying to he, bulky is pretty much in his ear. And Ian is the one that's kind of feeding all this information to the press because Bulky is, you know, is telling him all this stuff. So it's just like he's a leak of information. And but Shad Khan doesn't know really any better. You know, it, he's trying to give the guy another chance, but Shad's not a football guy. You know, he's he's a soccer guy. Uh, so he got his son in Tony to kind of interview Peterson, and, and he had a lot to do with the hiring process. But Shad needs help, man. He, he needed – he feels like Trent Bulky has the resume, though, to help him. So Bulky might have said, must have said, like, hey, Urban was not my fault. Like, you got to give me another chance to, to show what I can do. Like, I am the only person with the, with the – re- I'm the only person that you know with the type of resume that I have. Like, I know that he had to have said that to him. He's with the 49ers when they were good. You know, 
he was with the Redskins when they were good too. So it's like he just gave shot his resume. He's like, look, man, I, I deserve another chance. Um, and and who knows if these coaches were really like, hey, I won't interview if Bulky's there. Because who do they have to tell that to? They have to tell it to Bulky, you know, Trent Bulky. And and that's something where you just like you'd rather avoid that situation and just not interview altogether. So and and hiring another GM going through that process again, it's like Shaw just feels like he's on his last last and he just wants, you know, somebody in the room with some football knowledge to help him out. So let's just get more brains in here instead of putting all the pressure on Shaw to hire the right guy. It's like, how about we just bring in more people so that I'm not the only one that has to make this decision? That's a really good perspective, though, on that on the situation, because I think everybody just, you know, wants bulky gone. And that's it. Yeah, and it's like, then then who makes the hire, though? Shad does. So it's like, he doesn't know. You know what I mean? Like, he needs someone. So he wants Bulky to kind of take a back, like a back-end role, more do, like, the consulting to kind of help him out. Um, and, you know, maybe Bulky's like, all right, let me do some of the scouting stuff, too. Which I don't even, I mean, I guess he's an all-right scout, but I was reading this book, actually. Um, it's called uh, Scout Speak. And because, you know, hopefully one day maybe I'll be, you know, a scout one day. Right. So I'm kind of reading up on um, this this author and he's talking about, you know, all of his his past, uh, you know, all this different offices he used to go in and everything. And he actually used to he worked under Trent Balky and he said how he got the job was just word of mouth. And somebody told Balky to to interview him and he didn't even interview him. He was like, I don't know if he was eating while it was happening, but um, Bulky was like, I'm only hiring you basically because somebody told me that you were good. So it's like he doesn't eat. Like, I don't even know if he's a good scout because like he's just hiring scouts from word of mouth. Yeah. Like how like he does. He didn't even ask the guy a single football question. He said that in the book that Bulky didn't ask him a single football question to find out how what kind what type of scout he was. He just took his friends basically word for saying this guy was a good scout. So bulky gave him a chance. And now then he ended up being a GM. So like, you know, bulky took that risk, but it's like, like what it tells me is he's not even like, he doesn't really even care. You know, he's not invested enough. He's not invested enough. Yeah. Like, don't you want to know like which you want to hire somebody smarter than you usually like a good boss hires people under him that are smarter that help him make decisions. It seems like bulky wants everybody that's dumber than him. So they listen to him and then he can just be the one to be the puppeteer. And it's just like, that's not how that's not how it works in order to be successful. So um, I think Shah Khan knows that. Uh, and that's why he's just like, okay, let me give Bulky a lesser role and bring an EVP in to kind of help Doug Peterson out because he does he do, he does believe in Doug Peterson. So, well, I think the hope is the EVP. It seems like the hope is Rick Spielman, the former former Minnesota Vikings GM, but he just came out not too long ago and said that you know nothing's really progressing on that front. Um, so we'll yeah, see. that's worrisome. I, that is worrisome. Uh, Again, I, I you know I, I kind of make fun of Rick Spielman though. I, I don't think he was the best GM either, but he's made some great draft picks for the Vikings over the years. But uh, some of the trades he's made and some of the moves he's other other moves he's made kind of make you question him too as well. But I think Trent Baalke's reputation kind of precedes him around this league because I I do think there was some smoke to that fire that you know co- coaches were reluctant with the Jaguars. But I think what also paid into it too is the owner, like you're saying. You know, the owner makes some really quirky decisions. Who thought Urban Meyer was going to work out, truthfully? 
Yeah, man. He he, he just like I know he's, a, he's I know, a football guy, so we really really wanted him to work, you know. And well, I get and, being the optimistic <laughs> fan and everything, but I mean, when that uh, come on, like when well, that, now when he that, feel now he feels dumb, you know. And he and because I think Shad was the one to make that choice, he doesn't want to be the one to make another choice. Like so, he's just playing kinda, it safe. Yeah, yeah. Which which is which is okay. I mean. But that's why when you play it safe, you have to have more heads at the table. It might be the right move. The the wrong person might have just been the one person never mind. We'll see. We're gonna find out now. Cause I mean, I think you're I think you're dead on with that take of hey, I, I screwed up. I was the one who brought in Urban Meyer, not you. I'm not gonna make you pay for the sins of what I caused. Uh that yeah. that's the only reason why I could think that Trent Balky still has a job with the Jaguars is because yeah. of that reason. And I'm gonna tell you right now, Shot Connor comes off of that kind of the owner. To be like that, to say, "Hey, this is my bad. I'm not gonna blame you for this. This is my bad. I'm gonna give you another year." Yeah. I just, you know, you're you're talking about Trent Balky in that book, and you know, you're not making him sound like the best, <laughs> the best option for the Jaguars right now. But the thing is, here's what I, really I like can't about the situation that, that happened. Like, how I'll do you just right hire a guy blindly? I'll tell you right now, though. This is what the guarantee was with the Doug Peterson behind that closed door. Hey, if something goes wrong this year. You're not going to get blamed. It's not going to be your fault. The scapegoat's going to be bulky. So whatever happens this year, it happens. You're going to be our head coach regardless, and we'll blame the other guy. Because there has to be some kind of pressure relieved, uh, lifted off of Doug Peterson's shoulders for him to think, yeah, I'll work with Trent Balky. I'll, I'll, I'll get this done. Because I'm telling you right now, Lori, that relationship he had with Howie Resman was toxic. Yeah. Howie thought he was above Doug. There's no way Doug wants to work for a GM who thinks he's above him anymore. No way. No way. But let's talk about how his offense and what he's going to do for Trevor. Because I think that's what everybody's focused on now. We, we talked about the front office. We're going to talk about that as much as the podcast goes on. But let's talk about the positives and the impact that Doug Peterson brings to this offense. Because I think, you know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, to get coached by a former quarterback in this league, regardless of what kind of quarterback Doug was, he was around Brett Favre. You know, he was around... Carson Wentz during his MVP season. He coached Carson Wentz during his close to MVP season. Sorry, he didn't get the MVP because he got injured. But he also got the best out of Nick Foles. And I think what's really get lost in the Doug Peterson conversation is what I, what I saw Doug Peterson do for a quarterback is something that we haven't seen in sports. And a lot, it doesn't get talked about enough. Doug Peterson, you know, they went, the Eagles were 11 and 3 when, um, Excuse me. They were eleven and two when Carson went down. They were battling for the. They won the after they won that game against the Rams. They they clinched first seed in the NFC, but they faltered a lot after that game. They looked awful. They looked people people in Philadelphia wanted Nick Foles bench for Nate Sudfeld. That's how bad Nick Foles looked in that offense. So what did Doug do in the middle of the postseason? Postseason. I'm talking. They have that first-round bye that was very crucial to the Eagles. If they don't have that first-round bye, they don't win the Super Bowl. And this is why. Doug flipped his whole entire offense on a script and said, I'm going to go with what worked best with Nick Foles. And what worked best with Nick Foles was running that Chip Kelly offense. I'm going to take concepts out of the Chip Kelly system. I'm going to implement them into mine. I'm going to run that offense for the rest of the postseason. Unheard of. Unheard of, Lori. He changed his whole entire scheme in the middle of a postseason in order to win a Super Bowl and get the best out of the quarterback he had at the time because that quarterback was failing miserably. 
So what does that tell me about Doug Peterson? That tells me he's going to put Trevor Lawrence in the best position to succeed. He's going to take concepts that worked at, at Clemson and bring them over to the NFL and put them in, as staples into his offense and make Trevor Lawrence succeed in that in that aspect. He's going to take concepts from Darrell Bevel that worked with Trevor Lawrence and then move them into his system. He's going to take concepts from J, um, Jim Bob Cooter, who was the offensive coordinator for the Lions, who did great work with Matthew Stafford, Mar- Marvin Jones, and uh, some other weapons for that Detroit Lions team, Golden Tate as well, and say, I'm going to implement them with Trevor Lawrence, Lavisca Chenault, and Marvin Jones all over again. Mm-hmm. I really like what Doug's going to do to this offense. I really like the impact he's going to have on Trevor Lawrence. This is, you know, I, I really did like Byron Leftwich. I, I would talk about that higher the same. I'm talking about it as Doug to a T. But the reason why I like it a little bit more is because Doug has proven to you that no matter the quarterback, no matter the situation, I'll flip my offense in a dime and I'll get some success out of them. Because not only did he get success out of those guys too, I know the Eagles stunk in 2020, but he got some success out of Jalen Hurts. He made Jalen Hurts one of the most accurate downfield passers in the NFL from the time from the span of him starting behind only Deshaun Watson. And Jalen Hurts is not a downfield thrower, folks. Not at all. <laughs> So I'm telling you, this guy can make an offense. His system, it doesn't have to, he really brings like a West Coast type system in with some hybrid to it. But yeah. what he really is going to bring in is an offense that fits what his quarterback does best. And he's proven that to you time and time and again that he can do so. He's going to do it again with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I'm Year two for Trevor Lawrence is going to be huge. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think wh- what I really like about Doug is, you know, he did get a lot out of Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, they ran some RPO stuff and that some of that first read stuff where it's like you have that high-low offense. You have a guy in the flat, and then you have a guy at the second level. Then, obviously, you know, you have someone going deep where you can always throw it to him, you know, if he's one-on-one on the outside. But what what they basically liked about Doug is that he, he didn't abandon the run either. And the Jaguars have two guys now, ETN and James Robinson. So I think that... ETN is going to do pretty well, uh, pretty much you know, behind the line of scrimmage and at the line of scrimmage. Him, uh, him and LaVisca uh, are going to be kind of like slash players in a way. Uh, and I think getting them the ball in the flat and kind of using them like for yak is going to be the most important thing. Um, now, I, I was a little concerned about how often uh, they use tight ends you know, the the Eagles with uh, Zach Ertz and and Goddard, right? So uh, right now the Jaguars, they they do have um, Dan Arnold, uh, who they got from the Panthers, who who did pretty well. Yeah, I think think that was – I mean, you know, I like C.J. Henderson a lot, though. I think that's going to hurt over time if he ends up being a player for the Panthers. But that's that's, that's, milk under the bridge now. We got got Dan Arnold now. I like Dan Arnold a lot. Um, just yeah, to no, add in- I, I think he's a, you know, he's a downfield passer. So that's just, I think maybe they kind of target the tight end position because Doug really honored. He really liked, you know, the tight ends, uh, from Philly. So just to, I mean, that's the only just thing to add my perspective into that though. The tight ends in Philly are all we had too, or all the Eagles had too. not we, the Eagles. That's all the Eagles had. Um, I, this is the most wide receiver talent he's had to work with in a season without injury, if they end up keeping DJ shark in years, like uh, maybe ever being a head coach, just to be honest with you, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith and Nelson Aguilar were great. These guys are better though, as a trio. 
Um, yeah, Marvin Jones. Uh, I mean, Treadwell is pretty good. You know, he, yeah, Treadwell set up too as well. Yes, Lacan Treadwell because I think that's probably who's going to replace Shark. I don't think they're going to bring Shark back, but we'll we'll talk about that in the, the free agency episodes yeah. uh, leading up to the off season. But uh, I I do think he likes utilizing tight ends. Don't get me wrong. But I go back to 2017 where they weren't as much as a 12 personnel team. They were imp- implementing a lot of 11 personnel. A uh, huge reason for that. And a guy who I was hoping the Jaguars would bring in was Mike Rowe, the wide receivers coach uh, that year for the Eagles, who's a great wide receivers coach in this league. Not an offensive coordinator, but a great uh, wide receivers coach in this league. I was kind of hoping that would be one of the additions to Doug Pearson's Jacksonville staff, just to, you know, this. Outside of Marvin Jones, there's all youth and, and experience on this wide receiver room. So I thought Mike Rowe would uh, maximize a guy like Chanel and Treadwell as well. So either way, I I do think that they won't lean on tight ends as much as they did in Philly. But I don't know that for a fact because uh, I am, you know, associated with the Ertz family. And now all indications are that Jacksonville is going to be calling him his agent up as soon as free agency hits uh, on their end. They're expecting it now. So mm. if they do make a move like that, you would uh, you would assume because Dan Arnold is a good tight end that you're going to be utilizing 12 personnel and using more tight ends, more to the tight end looks. And if that's the case, then you're probably going to roll with Marvin Jones, Chenault, and uh, Treadwell as your wide receivers and do it that way. But I don't think that's going to be the same, Lori. I don't think that's going to be the same in Jacksonville. I think he's going to change it up a little bit. I think, you know, Press Taylor is the main reason why they'll switch it up a little bit. He's more, you know, Doug's more old school. Press is more new school. And I think that's why Doug wanted that as his offensive coordinator, as his next guy in charge, so that he can mm-hmm. keep him a bay. I think the only thing, you know, the narrative, like we talked about earlier, that I think it's going to really need to be addressed by Doug is the running attack, is the rushing attack. Um he kind of let Carson Wentz become Superman and lost yeah, his balance. All. Lost his balance when Frank Reich left. I think that was the huge thing of losing Frank Reich. I don't think Frank Reich was imperative to Doug Pearson's success. Again, he made the playoffs uh, every year besides one since Frank Reich left for Indy. So I don't think that was the case uh, that he needs Frank Reich to succeed. But I do think he needs Frank Frank Reich's balance approach that he brought to it. Uh, they would game plan with each other every Saturday night before a game. Uh, and draw up the first 50 plays of the game together in unison. Mm-hmm. He didn't do that with anybody else when Frank Wright, once uh, Wright left for Indianapolis. I think that hindered him. Well, uh, a... isn't Andy Reid the one that kind of got him to do that? Yeah, Andy, because yeah, that he learned it from Andy Reid. They were doing that yeah. in, in Kansas City together. Andy Reid still does that to this day. Yeah, he does. Doug, <laughs> lost, Doug lost that, and he should have continued that going forward. I think he's going to with, with Press Taylor. Him and Press Taylor are really close, though, so I can only imagine. Um, But... If I'm Press Taylor, I'm trying to implement as much balance to Doug's passing his concepts as I as I can because Doug is a passer. Like that's the one thing that I would probably say is the negative about Doug Peterson, especially with Jacksonville's backfield with uh, Edding coming back, and then you have James Robinson, who's one of the better running backs in the league uh, when he's healthy. Is you're going to have to implement this balance. You're going to have to you know aid your young quarterback and give him a rushing attack to succeed with. And that's what, you know, when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl in 2017 with Doug Peterson, they had the third best rushing attack in the NFL. And they didn't have, you know, J.H.I.E. was their best running back. And, you know, make it what you will, I think James Robinson has more talent than J.H.I.E. So, and Etney too. I mean, Etney's going to be a huge, huge factor yeah. into this yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars offense. So, uh, if that's the only 
one key uh, negative and flaw I would think about Doug is that he gets way too stuck in his one-dimensional ways, and he trusts his quarterback to be Superman too much. Uh, and, you know, that's the only thing. Trevor Lawrence was way more heralded and way more nationally recognized than Carson Wentz coming out of North Dakota State. You know, he if he comes into this this Jacksonville situation, he's completely awed by Trevor Lawrence and the the player that he is and the player that he believes he can be. That might be a problem because then you might let him get stuck in those Superman tendencies again. Let him be the guy. Let him do all the stuff and uh, just, you know, call the plays and let him do it. Yeah, I don't think he can do that again. I think he needs to scale back a little bit and teach his quarterback, develop his quarterback, and, you know, do this whole process with your quarterback instead of just automatically trusting the talent that he is. Uh, so that's the two things that I think I want to see Doug improve on when Jacksonville is not to become so one-dimensional and, mm-hmm. you know, scale your quarterback back a little bit. Because he's young. You know, Trevor Lawrence, again, Heisman Trophy, uh, one of the most heralded quarterback prescots, or, excuse me, quarterback prospects since Andrew Luck. You know, yes, don't get wowed by that. Treat him as the young quarterback that he is. Develop him as the young quarterback that he is. And remind him, I'm the head coach. I've been here. I have the ring on my finger. You need to listen to me. Don't let him become the Superman like you let Carson Wentz become. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. So, I mean, it's important that, you know, Trevor can kind of get, get outside the pocket. Um, you know, so, so passing is going to be key. And, and I think James Robinson is used to kind of not being the, the top guy that's going to get the ball, like get going to get, you know, all the, all these carries or anything. Um, but we're going to kind of see some split back work, you know, ETN and Robinson back there, maybe some, you know, outside zone, uh, some run schemes that, that are kind of, yeah, they're going to switch it up a little bit. Um, but uh, in the end, it is about Trevor Lawrence because he is the face of this franchise. Um, you know, even though it was only, you know, one year that he played, he only had 12 touchdowns. Uh, but uh, I, th- I think it's more about his decision making and making him go through the progression. And so I think it's going to take him passing a lot in the beginning uh, just to kind of get him, you know, used to reading the, the plays, how Doug wants him to read them. Uh, and Obviously, there'll be some bumps in the road, um, but I think James Robinson is okay uh, with not getting as many touches because we want to be able to grow Trevor as much as possible. So that that's really, and, and I think Doug knows that too. He, he, oh yeah, he, he's not going to put up. He's not going to do what he did to Carson, or he's not going to do it to Trevor. What you know, he kind of did to Carson once, kind of put everything on his back. Obviously, they have a better running back, um, but yeah, it will be there'll be some RPO stuff in there. And that's what I'm really excited about. Uh, Trevor being the one to make those reads. So I'm excited for Trevor to be coached in the NFL. Yeah. Literally. That's all I'm excited for. Cause you know, I think a lot of people look at his stats and then, you know, kind of lose the hype from him. Just looking at it, but you have to add the context to everything. He was not coached. Yeah. And he, he had urban Meyer behind him, yeah, you know, not coached. Urban Meyer was a wide receivers coach who didn't even coach the wide receivers. And Daryl like, Bevel is one of the most timid, Laid back offensive play callers you'll ever be around. <laughs> like that's, it's not Trevor Lawrence. None of that fit Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I like Shotty. Trevor Lawrence. Um, Schottenheimer when when he was uh when he was calling those plays, uh, I think I think he was the best. And and they that's when they beat uh Indianapolis to kind of kick them out of the the playoff run. Uh, was when Shotty was was making those play calls. So I think there is too much switching going on. And, and yeah, it wasn't fair to Trevor. So he's for the first time, he's actually going to be coached by somebody. So, and yeah, Mike McCoy, I mean, you know, 
for Doug to bring in Mike McCoy, I thought was a huge get. You know, I don't like Mike McCoy as a head coach. Probably wouldn't even really want him as my offensive coordinator, maybe. But uh, as quarterbacks coach, though, a guy who's worked with multiple Hall of Fame quarterbacks in this league, Peyton Manning, Philip Rivers, uh, to have that guy in your ear working with you personally, that's something that the Jaguars really needed to come out of this process doing is getting two quarterback-centric guys to work hand-in-hand with the young quarterback that they have, the face of the franchise. And I think they hit a home run with both, Doug Pierce and Mike McCoy. I mean, you can't ask for better hires than that. Uh, after a year of disservice with uh, Urban Meyer and Darrell Bevel, what a, what a home run knock out of the park with uh, – and you got to put Press Taylor in that too. I think Press Taylor is going to help Trevor Lawrence out a lot. Here's the thing, Laurie. You know, that what gets lost in all of this is Carson Wentz was a hothead. Not a hothead, but he was he was stubborn. He was tough stubborn. to be coached. And, you yeah. know, I've talked to multiple players on the Eagles that agree with this. And, uh, and they're still friends with Carson to this day, but they, you know, they feel the way that they felt about him. And they, they thought, you know, Doug's faults were just as much Carson's faults as they were Doug's. So, you know, yeah. I don't think this would be the same situation because I don't see Trevor being that type of guy. He's come from a winning pedigree where let me shut up and do my job because Dabo Sweeney knows what he's doing. Yeah. So already having that being coached that way at Clemson, I think it's only going to help him here with Doug, Jacksonville. Doug, I think it helps Doug more than it helps Trevor, to be honest <laughs> with you. So, yeah, you know, and then the rest of these coaching staffs picks that they're hiring, you know, I love the Jay Townsend hire for the secondary. I think he's going to uh, develop the young nucleus of talent in Jacksonville secondary uh, to a new level. I think that's, that was such a great steal that they got from him. I, I loved him as a former player uh, with the Steelers, but I think, you know, Doug making his staff mostly former player centric is not only interesting, but I think it's going to pay off. I think it's going to pay off big time. There's so much youth in Jacksonville, uh, young stars that are trying to etch out their way to figure out their path. And you're bringing in all these veteran type coaches, not only are they veteran coaches, but they're veteran players in this league that did that were there that know what they're going through that, that been on bad teams that know how to get out of these ruts. And I think they're great moves. Great moves. I, I love what the Jaguars are building coaches app wise. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, you know, he brings the experience that the linebackers really need. Uh they didn't really even know how to use Miles Jack for like the first three years. You're talking about Mike uh, Mike Caldwell, the, the defensive coordinator that the Jaguars brought in now. Yep. Uh yeah, and and also uh uh Billy Shuey. Billy Shuey, yep. Yeah, yep. the the linebackers coach. Um yeah, I think I think that they they really need to define what Miles Jack does best, which is you know sideline to sideline, and get the and Devin really, White type production yeah. out of Miles Jack. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah, and and Damon Wilson, Damon Wilson is that true middle linebacker that can be that run stopper that they need. Um, and then then when you look at the defensive line, that front, uh, you know Roy Robertson Harris, uh, Devon Hamilton, you still have Josh Allen, obviously Jaheed Ward. We don't know if he, you know I. I think you know he's going to be here and everything, and uh, I don't know. I think the defensive front did a lot better um, than yeah. They didn't get a ton of sacks, but I still think that they kind of stepped up for being a brand new group. Oh no, they, absolutely. They they definitely they kind of washed everybody and and got rid of a lot of guys. And hey, if Calais Camel can come back, because I think he's a free agent, if he actually comes back to Jacksonville, that would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, that would be, I'd be a little bit of a surprise to be honest with you, but that would be amazing. Um, I mean, he I, loved it in Jacksonville. They called him the mayor. So, 
I mean, oh no, he no, I know that. I just you know you you think at that point of his career he's trying to get that ring to finish it out. I don't know if this is oh, the best situation I mean, for him, but we'll, hey, hey, who knows? You're right. You he know. did love Jacksonville. He did love Jacksonville, but I think the call ball hire does great for the defense because he can tell you like, hey, look, I learned under Todd Bowles. I know what he took to get Shaq Barrett where he is now. I'm gonna do that with Josh Allen. I'm gonna do the same thing that they're doing over there with Josh Allen. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, so I, I, I just love all the hires. I there hasn't been there was one move that I wanted to see the Jacksonville Jaguars make, and I it's too early to tell if this is the bad move or not because they brought in an experienced offensive line coach. But I would have loved to bring, for them to bring in Eugene Chung, assistant offensive line coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, Jeff Stoutland's right hand man. Uh, I was hoping that was going to be the hire for Doug Peterson because I want to see what he does with the offensive line. Because if anything comes from Jeff Stallings, it's usually gold. So I, that, I know they hired the former Minnesota Vikings uh, offensive line coach, but uh, that was one thing I was looking forward to, to see if they, they do bring in Eugene Chung because I think it was, it's, it's his time to become an O-line coach. Uh, but we'll see what the rest of the moves that they make and see how the rest of the things go. But, I mean, uh, yeah. my, my favorite hires of the Doug Pearson staff so far are Mike McCoy and, and uh, DeShay Townsend, that's for sure. I like Caldwell, too. I think Caldwell's going to be a great yeah. a former player in this league. He's done great stuff at numerous stops with the Jets and the Buccaneers. Uh, learned under Todd Bowles, which, is, again, is one of the better defense coordinators, if not the best defense coordinator in the league right now. Uh, all these good moves. You know, they've done yeah. – for, for, for a team that needs to switch the culture from that losing – you know, Doug Marone didn't excite anybody. Urban Meyer excited everybody from his name value, but that was it. Everything else went completely downhill as a disaster after that. They need something to really inject optimism into the fan base, into this this culture, into this team, and to the city of Jacksonville. And, you know, I think they, they're they on the right path to doing so. Uh, we'll see what free agency brings to make them a little bit more hype. But I'm going to tell you right now, uh, players are going to want to play for Doug. You know, it's not just the Eagles that he has ties to. He's had ties to Kansas City. He has ties to he was he was with the Bears this past training camp. He was with um another team too this past training camp. It's losing my mind. Uh, but he he went around and visited multiple training camps. He has respect in this league. Uh, guys are gonna want to play for him as a coach. You know, when the Eagles first hired him, they landed Rodney McLeod and Brandon Brooks in free agency. And uh, I got I got the pleasure of interviewing Brandon Brooks when he the first minute he stepped into Philadelphia. And the first thing he said to me was, uh, I joined Philadelphia because of Doug Peterson. And, really? you know, none of us even knew Doug at the time. And he's like, yeah, I, I went out to dinner with him, had a conversation with him, and I knew I wanted to play for that guy as my head coach. He's going to have wow. that impact on free agents. He's going to have that impact on trades for, team, for, for uh, new guys coming into Jacksonville. So uh, great job, Jaguars. You're on the right path. And I'm so excited that Lori and I get to break it down for Believe in Jaguars podcast and discuss it going further because uh, I think we're all fans of this moves that they're making yeah. so far. So far, so good. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm excited. Kind of dive right into it, dude. Every single week, we're going to be here. And I think we, you know, I think we were pretty honest about Trent Balky. I know that, you know, the fans are wanting him gone and everybody, and I, I think they're right in doing and wanting so. But, you know, if they get the EVP, take a breather. Take a breather knowing that Doug Pearson took this job knowing with some kind of reassurance that Balky won't be in the way. Because he did. So... Yeah. Take some take some confidence into that at least, um, yeah. but it, it'll be interesting to see who's the decision maker come draft time because uh, Howie Roseman made all the draft picks for the Eagles. Doug Pearson had no say in the draft picks, and he also had minimum say in free agent signings. So there, I would imagine Doug wanted something to be different 
that dynamic to be different this time around. So I can't wait to see what this free agency and uh, the draft bring and see what kind of influence Doug Peterson has uh, with the organization because that's what I'm looking for the most. Yeah, same. I'm excited to kind of dive into the free agents, who's going to be available, uh, who might stay, who might go. Uh, and, yeah, who um, who may have ties to Doug that we may not know about. We're going to do some research on that. I, I might put some money on Zach Ertz becoming a Jaguar, to be honest with you. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'll tell you right now, he likes Trevor Lawrence. They were not opposed of uh, coming to Jacksonville last year when it was in the offseason. We're picking trade destinations. They weren't opposed. Their its family was not of Jacksonville. So we'll see going forward what's going on. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, all right, guys. So we're we're going to be at – this is it for episode one. Uh, my name, again, my name is Connor Miles at C-O-N-O-R-M-Y-L-E-S-S-I on Twitter. You can find me there. Uh, we will be your new host of the Believe in Jaguars podcast, me and Lori Fitzpatrick. Again, you can find all her work on USA Today Sports Media Group. She covers the whole entire NFL for them. Uh, this is going to mm-hmm. be it. This is going to be us from now on. And we're not going to do episodes this long. We just wanted to do an introduction and really dive into our first episode together, start this uh, good discourse together. But again, you can reach us at on Twitter and any questions or anything you want to talk about on the show, let us know. We're excited to break down the Jacksonville Jaguars with you guys this year. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.